wise Lizzo as she once said. Yeah, I got boy problems. That's a human in me. Bling, bling, then I solve them. That's a goddess in me. You could have had a bad bitch. Non-committal. Okay, I'm gonna calm down because I'm about to do the whole Truth Hurts song here. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Rainbow. For those of you guys who are listening for the first time, welcome. Please go back and listen to my other episodes because they're all epic and amazing. For those of you guys who are returning, welcome back. Let me do all my quick little plugs before we get into this episode. Please make sure you've subscribed to Behind the Rainbow if you found me through a link through Amy or myself or through a friend. You can also find me on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which is the purple icon. No one knows that exists on their iPhone. Just type in Behind the Rainbow and you find me. Subscribe and leave me a rating and review because apparently that stuff is important. So please help me out here. All right, so this episode, I was just gonna intro it originally. This is an episode about dating and here's some cool information that dating coach Amy Young has taught us all. But you know what? I decided this whole podcast I created is for me to be authentic with you guys. So let's be real. Let me explain really why I created this episode. I was talking to a boy kind of recently that I really liked and I wanted something more serious with. And you know what? He didn't want something serious with me. I'm able to do this now because I've moved past it. So I'm able to accept it. So what happened was, you know, when any of us get rejected, guy or girl, your friends will be like, you're the best. You're a prize. Any guy or girl would be lucky to have you. I love my friends for doing this and every friend should be doing this for each other. But then you're like, great. I know I'm the best I'm the prize but if I'm the best and I'm a prize then why didn't this guy think I was the best and a prize and want to be with me that feeling you have of rejection just doesn't go away no matter how much people tell you that you're awesome so what happened was you know I was upset over this guy and my sister started instead of sending me more cheer up texts and saying I'm the best she started sending me these videos of this dating and life coach Amy Young at first I'm like no I don't want to watch these because it's going to make me feel worse but then I did because I was intrigued because she sent me like 85 because she's like these are all so good you need to watch when I did this weird thing happened to me I started to laugh dude this girl is telling me that I'm the best and I'm a prize in this funny way when she's not even one of my best friends but really making me believe it I'm like fuck yeah I am the shit and this is what Amy so flawlessly does every time with each of her videos with 118,000 YouTube subscribers and so I was like I need to talk to this girl because I was still dealing with the rejection feelings and wanted her to selfishly make me feel better but I'm like let's make this into a podcast episode so I was trying to be like all official but low-key Amy I just wanted to talk to you to help myself in return I really do think that this podcast episode is going to help a lot of you guys because you know what what I've come to learn with these episodes everyone reaching out to me and connecting about the past episodes we are all dealing with the same shit so even if you're in a relationship or you're married right now or you're single we've all dealt with a time where we wanted a relationship to work out big or small and it didn't so this is going to help you and it's not just about rejection she talks about how to date like as if you're going grocery store shopping and just so many major takeaways I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode I'm gonna put Amy's YouTube channel her Instagram and her website on the show notes so you can follow along and connect with her and reach out to her let me just say I loved Amy before this episode but after it I think I just exponentially love her even more and sorry for the audio it's a little weird at first because we were Skyping from Boston so bear with it for the first few seconds and it gets better enjoy hello okay I think this is recording (laughs) oh my gosh okay well first of all now that I can get that out of the way I can feel girl because I've been low-key high-key very no excited to speak to you Yay. first of all my sister Sharona who is your uh, number one I am in love with both of you so let me just
just start off real quick. So for those of you listening to this podcast that don't know Amy, she is the queen coach. She is the dating guru. I just did a podcast episode about dating and I start off saying I'm zero a dating guru. And so now I'm bringing all the dating gurus to my podcast to be the experts instead of me. So how I got introduced to you was actually, I think maybe a way a lot of girls get introduced to you is when they're in a shitty relationship with a guy and then get one of your videos. So my sister, instead of giving me advice, she would just send me your videos. Listen to this. To be honest, this is my monologue about you. So sorry. It's all good. Usually when I hear these videos, yeah, they're super helpful, but they make me feel like shit. Like, fuck, I did everything wrong. It's wise and it's helpful. You know, I said to her, I love you, but I don't know if I want to watch these videos because they're going to make me feel bad. But then when I started watching your videos, the thing that you do is you're so comedic. You make us laugh in this way that, yeah, you're like, okay, shit, that was wrong. But you make us feel like you're our best friends and just be like, Mm. yo, girl, get it together. (laughs) Okay, fine. I can feel less like shit like this, you know? Oh, well, that warms my heart to know that. I always say it's fun getting to do what I do and I love getting to do what I do. But then when I actually get to connect with people who are like, oh no, it really made a difference for me. Or this video hit home in a way that didn't think that something could, that just means so much. So I'm so happy to know that you found that in my work. So give us a little bit of a background about how you got into all of this, how you're a life coach, the videos you made and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So I completely backed into coaching. Before I started doing this work, I was living in New York City. I was pursuing performance. I was a stand-up comic. I was waitressing and bartending and living my life. I often say I had a very colorful dating life and relationship history. I was the friend who was always kind of involved with someone new or I was really boy crazy. And I started my YouTube channel in 2012 just kind of as a project for me to have on the side and a creative outlet. I was feeling sort of burnt out on the entertainment industry and wanted to just do something just for myself. And I started just making videos randomly with kind of no real focus or intention, just about things that I thought were funny or interesting. And over the course of making a lot of videos, when I would look back at what I had the most to say on, it was always dating and relationship stuff. It was always a funny story of something I'd experienced or things I'd noticed like differences between men and women and observational stuff. And those were also the videos that I had a very small following at the time that people really responded to. So I was like, this is so weird. I had no idea that I would have this much to say on this topic. And yet I have so much to say on this topic. And then fast forward a few years, I was getting ready to leave New York. I was thinking about going back to grad school and doing some type of major career transition. I really knew I didn't want to be a performer full time. I knew about coaching because my dad is a coach and my mom is a social worker and a therapist. So I've always kind of been familiar with that world. It was around that same time that a handful of women who had been following me for a while found my actor website and found my email there and emailed me largely just saying wonderful things like you just did about like, oh my gosh, I found your channel. Thank you for making videos. But also being like, and also I'm dating this guy and it's kind of weird. I don't know if you ever dealt with anything like this. And I fell into this really kind of casual correspondence with a few ladies. And it sort of just felt like the dots sort of connected in this way where I was like, oh, I think I might actually be really good at this. And I think I would really love to get to support people in this way. And I'm kind of already doing it actually, just like unofficially. So what if I just made it official? So I just made it official and went and got got trained to be a coach and really went hard into like creating more specific videos on things that I knew would resonate with people. And here we are all these years later, it worked out. It's been pretty cool. You're slaying it in your words. <laughs> and then you talk about your experience in college and about your weight and how you looked and your appearance. And I just really wanted to touch upon that because I feel like sure. that's a really important message and learnings that you got. So I wanted you to explain a little bit about that. Yeah. And thank you for asking that because it's something I don't feel like I get to talk about enough. So I had always been 
been sort of uncomfortable with my body. I mean, if you're a woman in modern society, I think you have some version of dysmorphia to be totally honest with you. I think it's pretty hard not to. Yep. It can be very self-critical. And I'd always felt sort of uncomfortable in my own skin. And then when I got into college, I gained a lot of weight. It got to the point where I was just like, I'm really unhappy and dissatisfied with my body right now. And I can see that I'm using food to emotionally comfort myself and I'm not nourishing myself and I'm not taking care of myself. And if I just keep going this way, I know the number on the scale is going to keep going up and I'm going to have to keep getting larger clothes and I'm just going to keep feeling more and more uncomfortable and insecure about this. And I just saw that this was perpetuating itself. So I worked really hard and lost a lot of weight. I lost about 60 pounds in a four to five month period. And I had been functioning under this delusion, right? That so many of us do when I'm a size six, I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to feel so confident. I'm going to feel so hot. I'm going to be unstoppable when I lose this extra weight. And then I did it. I was quite disappointed to discover that the happiness prize that I thought I would get to experience was not handed to me. And it just became this thing where I was like, oh, well, you know what? I probably need to be a size four. Oh, when I'm a size four, that's when I'll get to feel really, really confident and happy. And the way that I've typically learned anything in my life is always in this way of sort of having a bubble burst at a certain point where I have to look in the mirror and be like, oh shit, this isn't about my pants size, is it? Or this isn't about the number on the scale, is it? And having to realize that, you know, it's such a cliche, but cliches are cliche for a reason. That source of confidence or security that I was seeking was never going to come from an external resource like my weight or my size. Now that was something that I had to figure out how to cultivate internally and that I couldn't rely on external things like my pant size or a number on the scale to create that for me because I was being shown literally this isn't how it's going to work and this isn't how it's going to happen. And it was also a very heartbreaking experience at the same time to the relational component of it was I was so disappointed to discover how differently I was treated by others. I felt exactly the same on the inside. I felt like the same insecure, uncomfortable girl. And yet I was getting more attention or more praise, admiration or more guys approaching me than I'd ever had before. And I was like, this fucking sucks. People really do care this much. And yet in terms of how I feel, I'm not getting to experience this shiny, proud polish that everyone else feels like they're seeing. I still was like, but I'm still me. And last year when I weighed 200 pounds, you didn't want to talk to me. But this year, suddenly you want to take me on a date. What's up with that? And it was a really good lesson. But like most lessons, I think that we learned, it was a hard one to have to learn. I love that. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. For dating, there's an analogy that you say dating is like going to the grocery store. So I kind of wanted you to explain that so people can get that reference. I would say I don't have a lot of rules for pretty much anything. But if I do have two rules for dating, number one, you don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Because what happens when we go to the grocery store when we're hungry? In real life, IRL. It's like 5 p.m. leaving a spin class or something. You're like, oh, I'll just pop by Trader Joe's and I'll just pick up things for the week. We always are exhausted and ravaged and starving and you end up making not very good decisions because you're not thinking clearly. Everything that you see looks really, really good to you. You end up walking out with a lot of stuff that you don't really need and then you go home and you have to eat it. And who has not experienced this in their dating lives, right? When we're approaching a relationship from a place of lack or we don't feel fulfilled or satisfied independently, when we're hungry, 
and we're attempting to go to the dating scene to fill ourselves up, we don't make good decisions and we don't feel good in the process and we feel desperate. You know, there's a reason why people talk about being thirsty and it's the same kind of thing. Like, it's like, oh my God, I just need somebody. I just need something. Please like me. Hi. It's a total trap because you'll either end up one, choosing people that probably can't meet your needs because you are just in this space of sort of like desperation or loneliness or hunger for something. And, or you're really only going to attract people and end up aligning with people who are in a similar sort of funk. And then we've got two people together who are both independently unhappy and dissatisfied looking to the other person who's also unhappy and dissatisfied to fulfill them. That's not going to work. And that's rule number one. Number two, you don't go to the grocery store without a list. This happens to me all the time where I'll attempt to go grocery shopping and I'm like, wait, what do I really need? I don't really remember. Do I have broccoli in my fridge or is that broccoli old? Wait, do I need to get quinoa or do I have quinoa at home? It takes a really long time because we're wandering up and down the aisles and looking at different things and picking things up and putting it down and getting distracted and then seeing something that you definitely don't need, right? Like frozen jalapeno poppers and five different flavors of Nutella. And you're like, ooh, that looks good. Girl, you don't need that. You would not put that on your list if you were in your right mind, but you're already in the store and it looks good and you're kind of aimlessly wandering around. So why not? So it's an inefficient process. Similarly, right? If we apply it metaphorically, if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what you need, how are you going to be able to assess if someone is going to be a viable partner for you? It's interesting because a lot of women will come back to me and be like, but isn't it dangerous to be out there with a checklist of things? Or isn't it bad to have these really high expectations or standards for what you're looking for? And I'm like, what is the alternative? The alternative is, oh, well, let me just take what I can get and just go into this completely blind and with a lack of self-knowledge. Okay. If you've been doing that for a while, how is that working for you? And the sad reality that I encounter all the time is that women are really afraid to just name and claim what it is that they need and what it is that they want for a multitude of reasons that I could go into, but it would probably take up all of our time. But it's a really ballsy, bold move to finally step up to the plate and be like, okay, I have to be honest with myself and honest with other people about what I've learned about myself in relationships or about what I just know intuitively about what's going to work or not work for me and hold myself accountable to that. It's a lot easier to not hold ourselves accountable and to go for the jalapeno poppers and to go for the Nutella if you don't have that level of awareness with yourself. Yeah. Oh, we good. all just kind of go in through and making decisions and be like, maybe this is right and waste our time. Yeah. And it's so exhausting that way. People who are really burnt out on dating, I'm like, you probably don't really have a system. You're probably burnt out because you are just kind of throwing a lot of paint at the wall and hoping something is going to stick. And for some people that totally works and it's fine, but those people are generally the exception to the rule. For a lot of individuals, you have to be really thoughtful as you're going through the dating process and figuring out, okay, who's going to be right for me and what am I looking for long-term? So it requires a little bit of this internal work. Yeah. And in terms of the world of the dating apps now, I feel like people are just like going all ham. Okay. Well, there's all these people. I'll just try everything and everyone and see what fits. What do you think about dating apps and how it's affected the world? I feel like I have a very unpopular opinion because I'm very passionate about online dating. I teach a whole online dating workshop called Swipe Like a Boss, Acing the Art of Online Dating. And it's one of my favorite things to teach because think about all of the ways in which we use internet and technology to serve and support our lives. We look for jobs online. We look for homes online. Why wouldn't we want to utilize this amazing unlimited resource to connect with human beings? And I think one of the challenges is that people forget that that's what you're doing on a dating app is you're connecting with a human being. And people go into it either with their guard up 10,000% or with a lot of cynicism or skepticism, which might be based on previous experience, which is totally valid, but it's not going to serve you to bring that into every fresh 
fresh experience that you have. People go into it with a ton of baggage and judgment and even shame and embarrassment. This is sad that I have to look for someone on a dating app or it shouldn't be this way. Or why can't I just meet somebody, you know, like Jim and Pam on the office? Why can't that be my life? This is a really great way to make a meaningful connection if you know what you're doing. That's why I teach this workshop because like I said, a lot of people are just going into these things blind and just kind of bopping around and hoping that they're going to have really amazing results. And I always say to people, where else in life do things work that way? When you wanted to learn how to do something and do it successfully and have a really good experience and really see positive results and feel fulfilled in the process, that doesn't happen just by accident. Relationships for some reason are this one area of our lives where we're really kind of taught and told, oh, it'll just happen. It'll just work. You don't need to learn how to do that. And that is so back ass words. <laughs> so I think online dating can be a really fabulous playground for not only creating meaningful connections, but also doing a lot of the internal work. Because if you're really bummed out hardcore that you like chatted with some dude for two days and then he disappeared on you, that guy owes you nothing. Like a two day conversation on Tinder, you're literally just vetting each other and just seeing what works and what doesn't. And for so many people that is crippling and devastating. And I get that because I've been there, but I also know that it doesn't have to be that way. That's like some of my feelings. No, I love that because I have a love and hate, but I do also say that you have to know how to use it if you want to yeah. use it. I know so many people who've met their husbands and wives on it. The most recent research shows one in seven marriages are meeting on a dating app. And that was higher than any other method for connection, including meeting at work, meeting through friends, you know, wherever. Clearly it's working for people. And I think it's a really easy trap to fall into. And we all do it of being like, well, it just doesn't work. You know, like Tinder is just for hookups or there aren't good guys. Like my cousin met his wife on Tinder and they have a beautiful, amazing relationship. It's no different than when I work with people and they're like, oh, there are just no good guys in my city. And I'm like, well, are there any married people in your city? Because like <laughs> clearly someone found somebody. Always easier to blame the external thing. Always, always, always. Is this workshop still happening if people wanted to join in? How can they find it? I offer it a few times a year. We just did a launch in August for it. So we'll probably be opening up the doors towards the end of 2019, if not early 2020. So if people follow me, they'll always see updates for when I'm rolling it out again. <laughs> My next question about dating, which is a selfish, like half of the reason why I wanted to talk to you, the word rejection. So this is something that I've dealt with recently. And I have a few other people that I know that have and wanted your dating guru advice. You know, when a guy says, you know, I'm not looking for something right now, or they just don't want to be with you, you know, your friends will be like, has nothing to do with you. You're awesome. It's something there with them. How do you not make that about you? Or if it actually is about you, how do you move past feeling rejected and be able to be confident for yourself? So I think that this isn't one of those quick fix answers. But one of the things I always tell people is I'm not sure that we ever get to a place where rejection doesn't sting. I'm not sure that you ever get to a place as just a human being where another human being that maybe you like comes to you and says, I don't like you as much as you like me. Or I like you, but not enough to interrupt the course of my life right now. And I have other bigger priorities. And that's because of how we're wired as humans. When you look at the psychology of rejection, it actually lights up the part of our brains that we associate with survival. Back in the day, when we were all traveling around in little tribes and little herds, if you were rejected from your community, it meant imminent death. It was like, you can't survive on your own. Even though we've evolved past that in a number of ways, the hard wiring is still there that says rejection equals imminent death or a lack of survival, which is why it really, really shakes people in the way that it does. So if we can kind of recognize that and go, okay, so I'm sort of hardwired to really be afraid of rejection and to interpret it in this way, then we get to start having a say over how we choose to interpret it. And what I usually recommend 
recommend is not holding yourself to the standard. Rejection will never bother me. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Whatever. That can get to a place where I think, do you want to be a sociopath? Like you just want to be completely unaffected all the time because that's not really healthy either. But recognizing that you can experience the sting of it, but still not assign a meaning to it that you are then flawed or screwed or unlovable. You know, whatever the story is that we have about ourselves, this is actually the value of rejection. One of the things, whatever the internal story is that we have about ourselves and what makes us unlovable or unchoosable, someone rejecting us, it's sort of like they come and they just push that button and that story starts playing and we start going, what's wrong with me? I'm just not good enough. I just don't measure up. He's going to find someone who's funnier, who's more successful or blah, 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 whatever the story might be for you as an individual that you have about yourself. And the really cool thing about unearthing that story is that, yeah, we get to be the creative storytellers in our own lives if we want to be and decide for ourselves, what is the meaning that I want to assign to this? Does this have to mean that I am unlovable, unworthy, not good enough, not cute enough? Oh my God, I have love handles and he would never date somebody with love handles. Do we have to assign that meaning to it? Or what's another meaning that I could assign? We do a whole week on this in my group program, Single and Slaying It, about reframing rejection and really choosing deliberately, how am I going to interpret rejection moving forward? One of the easiest ones that people usually really gravitate to is coming to understand that rejection is ultimately always redirection. Rejection always just means, okay, this door is closing so that something else can open up. And if it's not going to be with this person, then it's just going to be with someone better. And that's a choice that you make for yourself. But again, it's a combination of having to meet ourselves where we are, which is when you're in that place, like the sting is really bad and you're feeling like you're really in that low place, not beating yourself up because you feel that way or I should have higher self-esteem than this or this shouldn't be bothering me. No, maybe you really opened up to this person and you really got kind of invested in a possibility here. And that's beautiful. Having an open heart and choosing to care in a world that's kind of constantly encouraging us to sort of close down and be cool and not care. I think that caring is actually a really beautiful thing. So really kind of letting yourself actually be proud and sit in this space of, I let myself care about this person. I let myself be open to this possibility. And that's really special and really significant. I don't ever want to lose that capacity to be open or to care. But I also want to take really good care of myself in this moment and recognize that whatever associations I have with rejection and whatever shame story I have around it or buttons are getting pushed that are making me feel this means that I can't have what I want in the future or that this person feels this way about me, like how ridiculous that I would think they even would like me. See all of that and let it be there, but see if you can just sort of observe it and see it as, oh, well, that's one way of looking at this. What are some other perspectives I could bring? You know, the other thing too that people don't want to acknowledge or admit, relationships in order for them to really thrive and succeed require in a number of different ingredients. And one of them is you, one of them is the other person. And then two of the other primary ingredients really are always timing and circumstances. And these are the things that we can't control. And it feels very vulnerable, especially with something as precious as relationship to admit that there's so much about it that we can't control. You can't control the other person. You can't control the timing of their life. You can't control what's important to them. We can barely control those things within ourselves. So when we're feeling vulnerable, we almost always choose blame. I'll blame myself. This is my fault. I did it all wrong or I'm bad or something versus just sitting in this vulnerable space of, oh, this just didn't work. That doesn't mean that it can't ever work. That doesn't mean that there isn't potential down the road. Not that you necessarily want to be hanging on to that, although that can give a lot of comfort in the moment to just remind yourself that how I feel right now is not how I'm always going to feel or what's possible right now isn't what's always going to be possible. There's just so many ways to kind of spin rejection so that it can actually be an opportunity to support yourself and to expand your sense of possibility 
possibility. Happiness is always when we expand our sense of possibilities. We always feel worse and more frustrated and sad in life when it feels like our sense of possibilities are closing off. And that's another part of why rejection hurts is because it's like, oh, this is another door being closed to me. Never mind the fact that you've got a whole friggin' hallway with infinite doors available to you. We obsess over that one door. And what if it happens that, okay, you're moving on, but you're still surrounded by this person. Maybe you're in the same group of friends. Maybe you work together. And that feeling of rejection is just in your face. How do you cope and move forward? So the first thing I would say is, oh my God, what an exciting, amazing opportunity that the universe has handed to me to have to clean up my shit. This is so fabulous. Thank God that life orchestrates these opportunities for me to be constantly evolving and expanding so that I can move past my own perceived limitations for how I'm going to be happy or feel powerful in my life. This is so perfect. This is like an amusement park ride. Every time I see this person, it's going to feel like I'm on the tilt-a-whirl and I'm going to have to practice bringing myself back to center. What an amazing opportunity. Now, do any of us choose to look at it that way? No. We go victim, 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 horrible me. This is unfair. Life is always against me. Oh my God. Now he's dating someone else. This is terrible. I'm going to go talk to my five girlfriends about it. Woe is me. Cry, cry, cry. Listen to a sad playlist. Reread our text messages. Go check them out on Facebook. Make myself more upset. We make so many self-destructive decisions. If we ever land in a place of going, I need to fucking figure this shit out. I can't exist in this environment, whether it's like a workplace situation, a friend group. I can't exist here and be constantly giving my power away to this person in the circumstance. I will not let myself do it. That's a choice that you either make or you don't make. Both choices are not easy. It's not easy to do the woe is me victim, victim, victim game. It's also not easy to put on your big girl panties and go, I'm fully responsible for how I show up in this moment and all future moments. But come on, which one would you rather choose? And I always tell people too, if you keep doing the helpless, this sucks, this is so hard for me, this is so unfair thing, what's your life going to be like in a year, in two years, in three years? What are you going to get a whole new friend group? What are you going to quit your job? Sometimes people have to make those hard decisions. And I've worked with women who have to make those hard decisions to go, I can't keep working in this office with my ex. I have to change my job. Okay, good for you if that's an option for you. But for anyone listening who they don't feel like that's an option for, the number one thing you're going to have to step into is creating some really solid boundaries for yourself, which means getting very real about what works for you and does not work for you with this new dynamic. And that might mean you actually let your friends know, hey, if so-and-so is going to be there, can you just give me a heads up? Because that would actually be really useful to me because if I'm in a good place, then I'll be fine. But if I'm not in a good place, I might just duck out because I don't want to have to expose myself to that just yet. It might mean sitting down with that person and saying, look, I don't want this to be weird and awkward between us. I want us to figure out a way to move forward where we both feel like this is really comfortable. Let's be grownups about it. So how can we make this not awkward? You really have to have those vulnerable moments with yourself or with the other person and admit, is this ideal? No. Is a lot of life ideal? Absolutely not. So how am I going to make the most of it or clean up my side of the street so that this can be a livable, workable situation for me? And then like, I know for me, every time I'm disappointed with a relationship that ends, I'm like, I'm done, dude. I don't want to do this anymore. You get really depressed. Like there's no one out there for me. And you go through that whole cycle and you just, you're over it. How do you get past that? And how should someone deal with feeling defeated in dating? God, I have so many feelings about this. It's funny because I feel like what I would usually say is not really what's coming to me right now. So I'm sort of like, oh yeah, when you just feel straight up defeated. So the first thing is, this is kind of shitty, but it's the truth. I'm like, so what other choice do you have? Do I keep my heart open or do I close myself off? Lots of people choose to close themselves off. We're not wired to shut down our longing for love. That's not who we are as human beings. You can let yourself go there, but just 
recognize that it's going against your nature. We can only ever go against our nature for so long before it produces problems in our lives or creates a sense of long-term dissatisfaction or we wake up, yeah, in a couple decades and we're like, shit, I really messed up my life because I closed myself off and I shouldn't have done that. You know, one of the biggest things I think too that I really work to try and sort of decondition us from is this standing obsession with relationship longevity and outcome dependency. I will only be happy and I will only feel good if this relationship lasts or if this relationship is my forever relationship. What I really instill in my clients is to understand that any experience you have with another human being in which you open yourself up to the possibility for love and connection where you get to learn something either about yourself or about the world or about who you want to be in relationships or about other people, that's a win. So even if something doesn't quote unquote work out in the way that you hoped it would, meaning I wanted us to be together forever, or it feels like I keep going on dates, but I'm not getting closer to the relationship that I want. You know, even when you think things aren't working out, they are working out. When you don't end up in a relationship with someone who is not right for you, that is things working out. You're better off being alone than being in a relationship with the wrong person just because you're afraid of being alone or because the other person's afraid of being alone. But it's so important to kind of unwind ourselves from these very limiting ideas that we have. I will only be happy and satisfied when. And to create the sense of I can learn and grow and my heart's a muscle that's going to contract, that's going to expand and my soul is going to evolve and I am going to become a more full version of myself through heartbreak or disappointment. And that's not a bad thing. It's a lens that we really have to kind of let ourselves try on to go, okay, I can be disappointed or I can feel defeated in this moment, but there's going to be an expiration date on it. And I'm not going to let that disappointment or that sense of defeat dictate the trajectory of my life or cause me to go against my nature or act like I don't want a relationship or shut myself off from potential connection because I'm scared of putting myself out there in some way. I think it's so important that we learn how to kind of keep that flame going for ourselves, even when we want to put it out or we tell ourselves, I'm really putting it out this time. See if you can take a moment and be like, yeah, you know, but I felt that way before. And at the end of the day, the flame is still burning because I've also worked with women who come to me, Amy, you don't get it. It's just not going to happen for me. And then within a month, they're like, you're not going to believe it. I went on this date with this guy and it's like completely different than any other date. It feels really different. And then a couple of weeks later, they're like, Amy, I think he's the one. And I'm like, baby girl, like, <laughs> slow down. It's been like three dates in two weeks, but jokes on me because now years later, they're married. They have a baby with that person. We're really quick to want to control or make these blanket statements about what's going to be possible for us or not possible. And I know what's going to happen and it's going to be terrible. You really have no clue. That doesn't mean that it's easy though, but as much as we can live with an open heart and let ourselves entertain the possibility of new connection or just the value in just getting to sit across from another human being and hear their story. That gets lost on all of us. We go in there and we're like, well, what's in it for me, dude? Are you going to pay? Because if you're not going to pay, then fuck you. And it's like, <laughs> this is another human being who has had moments of devastation and crippling fear and heartache and they have hopes and dreams. And we go in there acting like, hey, you're either going to fill this void for me or you're not. Let's find out as quickly as possible if you're going to fill this void for me. Slow your roll and connect with another human being. Even like on these dating apps, how you were saying before, you don't stop to think you're talking to a person who maybe had a really shitty day. And I talk about in my workshop too, if you don't think men are lost and confused and insecure out there, you are dreaming. I feel like they're more insecure than we are. <laughs> in so many ways, it's true. And here's the shitty thing is that because of the way that we raise men, they can't even acknowledge it. They don't even have the vocabulary or the inner awareness to be able to deal with 
it or speak to it. Everyone just has unique challenges. And the more that we can bring real authentic compassion to it, and that doesn't mean that you have to fall in love with every single person who's sitting across from you at the table. Remember, don't go to the grocery store without a list, but you can still have a wonderful connection with a human being and recognize simultaneously, oh, you're not right for me, but that's okay. You're going to be right for someone else and there's going to be someone who's right for me. Right. Now, I see you as this badass queen who is motivational, can do everything, can make everyone flip around the way they're thinking, but I'm sure because you're human, you yeah. have days that you're feeling shitty too and you're like, I just don't feel motivated. Yeah. How do you get past that and how do you find motivation for yourself? First of all, I would just say like, <laughs> I am the humaniest human that ever human. Like, <laughs> I don't hate it about being a coach, but I'm also just very aware of it. Sometimes I think there's this idea because I do it to people that I follow online too or coaches that I've worked with where I'm like, man, they just have it all figured out. They just know things. They must just wake up in the morning and their day just goes great and they fall asleep at night and they're like, wow, that was a good day. And that's not like me at all. So I think it is really important. And I try also like, to be really transparent about, hey, I'm going through my own shit over here. You don't even know. But I wouldn't say that I ever really push for motivation, but I will say I try to really be as authentic as possible. That usually means if I'm going through something really hard or if I'm feeling particularly challenged and I'm not operating on badass and optimism juice that day, as much as possible, I try to really make room for that within myself. I see a lot of people, myself included, we really can become sort of at war with ourselves. If we're not feeling on the ball and awesome every day, we're like, something's wrong with me because I'm not thinking positively enough or like, I don't have a good enough outlook on the situation or I'm not standing in my power. And sometimes circumstances just suck. And part of life is feeling hopeless and helpless sometimes. There's always going to be more helpful perspectives or outlooks or emotions that we prefer. I would rather feel optimistic than hopeless. <laughs> but if I can't get myself there, well, then it's just a day for me to meet myself where I am. In the same way that if one of my best girlfriends called me and she was like, Amy, I don't know what the deal is. I can't get my shit together today. I'm not going to say to her, well, you're really screwing up your life. You need to be more positive about this. Call me when you're in a better mood. But that's a lot of times what we do with ourselves. We abandon ourselves if we're in a place of sadness or frustration or shame or feeling lost. Talk to yourself as if you were someone that you really, really love. Ask yourself, well, what do I need to just feel 5% better? Or just in this moment on my lunch break, what's something that would be really delicious to treat myself to? Life just keeps going. This is the other thing too, is even when you're going through the shit, and I've had some challenges this year that were harder than anything I ever could have imagined going through, I would have moments where I would be like crying. I can't believe this is happening to me. And then I would be almost like laughing at the same time. Well, what am I going to do? This is where we are. The day is going to continue on one foot in front of the other. And there's something kind of liberating in that. Okay, so I just have to keep showing up. And maybe that is sort of my thing of motivation, just being like, all I have to do is keep showing up. If I just keep doing that, then I'll get more answers or I'll find clarity or there will be a sense of peace that eventually arrives. Yeah, it's hard out here, man. It's hard living. I literally feel like growing up, I did not think it was going to be this right? hard. Isn't it so dumb when you're a kid, you just want to be a grown up. You're like, oh man, like I'm going to do whatever I want. And then by the time you're a grown up, you're like, man, I didn't realize how good I had it. Who designed this? God, what the heck? What oh, the heck for sure. And last but not least, saving the best for last here, Ooh. single and slaying. It is your amazing workshop group. I know you've been promoting it a bunch. I want you to explain what it is, how people can get involved, why you started it, all that fun stuff. First thing I should say is that we're currently closed for enrollment. This is my signature eight-week group coaching program for all the single ladies. So I offer it a few times a year. Single and slaying, it started with me really. When I was in my mid-20s, I got out of a relationship that really 
was such an eye opener to me of being like, okay, girl, you can't just do this thing that you do of just getting involved with somebody new and expecting a different result. I knew that I had some internal stuff that I had to shift and tweak. This was before I even started coaching. And I sort of put myself on this regimen. Okay, so what would I need to do every day? And what needs to be my new focus? And how am I going to fuel myself and feel really confident and good in my own skin? And what are the changes that I need to make in terms of how I'm approaching relationships so that I can have better experiences and align with better people? Then when I started working with women and I was discovering, well, what really worked for my clients, I developed this really cool curriculum of sorts, which is basically built kind of on these foundational principles of feeding yourself first and figuring out, okay, what's on my list? Like if I'm going grocery shopping, the program what's so special to me is that it's not just about, okay, get into a relationship. Let's get you a boyfriend as quickly as humanly possible. It's about, no, let's get you to a place where you feel so good and excited and like you're thriving and you can meet yourself where you are and you are showing up as a really good partner to yourself. So your relationship status, it doesn't have this weird weight on you that it has because that is always going to be the most powerful, attractive place to be approaching relationships from. And then from that place, we get to then help you design and create the relationship of your dreams. We have it so backwards and I pursued relationships this way for so long of, oh, I'm going to get the relationship and I'm going to feel really, really good. You have to flip that around and be like, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes to feel really good and then I'm going to get the relationship because it just works better. Every time I have conversations with women, they're like, I know that's what I have to do. Mm -hmm. We know it within ourselves, but it's easy to avoid because it's the hard stuff of facing ourselves that we don't always want to have to do. So I would just encourage if that really resonates with anybody or they want to get involved or you just want to learn more about me, go to my website, amyyoungcoaching.com. Follow me on Instagram. I'm super active over there. Sign up to be on my mailing list and that way you'll be the first to get notified when we're getting ready to roll out the next group. Amy, thank you so, so much for doing oh this with me. My I've pleasure. truly, it's been like my excitement of the week and my <laughs> oh sister is, she's yeah. like, please tell her I say hi. <laughs> I truly believe that God has placed everyone on this earth for a purpose and I really, really believe this has been your purpose. The impact you are having on other people and using your special creative abilities to really change people's lives and not just like, oh, transformation, but really loving themselves, which is such mm -hmm. a hard thing and laughing along the way because, you know, you have to laugh at life because it's so dumb sometimes. I know. And so I just wanted to thank you personally as a viewer of your stuff for being the person that you are. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like getting misty eyed over here. I really, really, I appreciate you and I appreciate you sharing that. And it's my absolute joy and pleasure. So thank you for having me. Until next time. Oh,